What's up? This is Eric Davidson and you're listening to New Voices on District Magazine. On this episode, we welcome Nisha Fitzgerald to the studio. Nisha is a Dublin-based, classically trained vocalist, multi-instrumentalist and graduate of a National College of Art and Design in Dublin, where she completed a jewellery and design degree. Now releasing music as Nick, we caught up with her to discuss how all her creative endeavours interlink and what new music she has on the horizon. New Voices is brought to you by Terror Records Dublin. Visit terrorrecords.ie for more. Um, thank you for joining me. No worries. Happy to be here. <laughs> um, I wanted to know if you could give me a little background on your artistic and musical education and like how that's affected your sound. So like you studied in NCAD, but you've got like 10 years of classical yeah, vocal training. Yeah, I started the classical training, I think at eight. Yeah, it was eight to 18. Um a big reason as well is actually my mum's cousin is a pretty well-known opera singer and she kind of got me into it. Um, so I was like, I might give that a whirl and I'm learn how to do it properly. So it was really enjoyable, but I always came up against learning musical theory properly and sight reading because even learning piano as well, all the exams, I always had to fake it and just look at the manuscript and things like that. So I almost looked into that first and found a lot of people that struggle with that have a better ability of composition mm. but there isn't any exam for composition really mm. until you reach the leaving cert you can do one section of your leaving cert exam and make your own piece up so I kind of yeah. thought maybe I could just learn that because I liked learning classical stuff but I also was interested in obviously pop and everything yeah, else yeah. and trying to do that did you know you were going to um, sort of set out to sort of blend those worlds a little um, not not 100% because I just liked all types of singing and the kind of musicianship involved the most important thing for me is always the control and like the level of control certain singers you know can mm. can do and I think that's the most uh, impressive thing mm. so I always wanted to focus on that and I think the training made you very strict with that so that's why it was really good once I kind of got a vague idea how to write a song mm. that like, at least I had that slight backing but even still some of the first you know songs I'm so happy I never went full throttle with it because they're just so ball like you know so I'm kind of relieved I took ages to actually launch yeah. a song out Th- that's what I was going to ask no like, idea. artistically yeah. like did you have like an idea setting out was this like okay we're gonna, we're gonna I'm gonna go down this route and and has yeah. anything sort of lingered from the original sort of concept yeah I've always just like vaguely written certain lines or always recorded melodies I think it's the melody mainly that comes first mm. for me anyway um I just didn't know enough about the structure mm. so I was very apprehensive to show people I really only showed people songs of only probably three years ago just okay. even friends who are also amazing musicians yeah. just be like who is this well, that's terrifying obviously. yeah I was like don't show anyone else please <laughs> it's in the vault um, so that was kind of the first instance because even through college like, I might have played the odd singer songwriter but I was mm. so afraid to play my own songs because I was also very limited on the piano so mm. it would have just been very simple and just not very good so yeah. I don't know I just it took me so long to re- like find like how am I going to do this because I know I want this element of you know say someone like I've always loved Annie Lennox style yeah. because she does this kind of soulful operatic stuff but then it's neo soul electronic mm-hmm. electro pop essentially and I just never knew how to even go about that but I actually did a course in Windmill Lane then a very very brief introduction to sound engineering and that just kind of clarified a lot more um, on how to do your own production a little bit. Mm. Uh, I still always work with a producer. I unfortunately not to the level yet of producing my own stuff. So once I kind of thought 
about like you don't have to have too strict rules about oh you sing kind of jazz or opera but you can't do pop or you know yeah you can just find a, a way of channeling those techniques and I mean it's still very in, in its basic stage I, I'm only kind of grasping a neo-soul kind of sound but I also mm. you know it's very, like even like transcending neo-soul to a point I was just sort of trying to put my finger on pillars in particular it's like mm. an 80s parabola yeah. dipped in the internet is what the way I was trying to yeah. like so I, just, I was so apprehensive about the big long note at the end I was like that I just think that maybe that's too much that was amazing I, <laughs> I was like god is this like a montage 80s song? like I just thought people wouldn't take it seriously but it's for the modern ages. sort of twist on it that, that makes it what it is though I think yeah. you know, it's not like it's not like this like purely nostalgic thing no and, I, and that's what was funny starting to produce with people is I was kind of like is this normal to sound kind of overly 80s or <laughs> you know it was a lot of second guessing it was not something that I was like yeah yeah perfect that's yeah. you know because that song had been written a good year or so just myself okay. and piano and I brought it to really amazing producer musical pals of mine and they were like this whatever and mm. do this and you know it was it was much more just a simple idea most of my mm. demos are just very minor piano and maybe a drum from garage band and that's how yeah. it develops but um is that odd bringing it bringing something that's so personal and so uh, artistically you to another artist not really because i'm so uh still very basic with my knowledge of how it's going to develop i always have an idea of how it sounds but it never turns out that way mm. and so that's the weird element more so because i'm like yeah it'll definitely have an element of this or mm. i'll try and base it around someone like say Christine and the Queen's kind of similarity mm. and then it kind of takes its own you know I suppose uh, like it just navigates differently but yeah. that's a really good thing and I'm always trying to stay open to learning because even structurally you know like where is the middle eight definitely going to be or is this going to be mm. whatever all those elements you definitely need to be around people who know what they're doing and <laughs> Frazier's just myself and working with the odd recording thing but not really 100 yeah. percent. so it doesn't really become personal actually once you share it with people who are really highly musical so yeah the two guys i've been working with recently are complete geniuses so once they like it i'm like okay yeah. it should be fine <laughs> because if there's a real yeah you have to kind of once you've developed you just kind of let go of the fact that other people won't like it it's, mm. it's not really a thing you should ever gear towards i think that's why i'm for sure yeah i'm really happy i went to ncd because i don't have that issue of like oh someone's gonna hate it or mm. it's gonna be critiqued it's like it's a total normal thing for any idea you try and um develop for it to be critiqued and it's fine once you're happy with it you know even if say the most recent release doesn't do as well as the first it's not really about that anymore it's mm. like i'm really happy with the song and the people i respect musically like it so it's yeah, fine you know for sure so that's I, was, I was gonna say that like pillars has over two hundred and sixty thousand listens on spotify at the yeah, moment so like, I, know, I don't know how that happened you must be like over the moon with the reaction to yeah it's crazy because i haven't played a live gig mm. in four years and yeah. that was my first ever official release and yeah. it was out on the 24th of august it went out, it came out so yeah it's been really fortunate that spotify uh, a German playlist in Spotify picked it up. What, what was the playlist? Picked it's it up? called uh, Herbs. It's called Winter Chill Out now. It's changed the name just only two days ago. Okay. So it's um, a big playlist that they just developed for you know different artists. It's mainly uh, I think European artists I've noticed okay. mostly Licky Lee and Hazier and people like that. Yeah. I think uh, like Cat Power and a few people like that. I haven't mm. seen many American artists on it. But yeah, I just got an email saying you're on this thing and then. 
So they notify you when you're on those things? Yeah, they say Pillars has been added to this playlist. And then I was actually out for a walk and I was like, what the hell is this? Is this like any whatever? And then it was half a million people follow this playlist. (laughs) And I got two and a half thousand streams in a day. And I was like, what the hell? Crazy. This is nuts. That's amazing though. Yeah, it's very look at the draw. You, You submit your song before you release it now on okay. Spotify the rules have changed which is really interesting and really great for Spotify to finally give a bit more artists kind of one to one for that so you are sitting there waiting to see what you get on essentially mm. but it can work out great or you know once once you know those things mm. and you can prepare in time then it's great but yeah the players thing has become the new centre stage of mm. you know it's almost replacing radio in that yeah, way yeah I was just about to say it's kind of like you know uh, the way records to the DJ in the disco era or mm. like you say radio it's like it's, yeah. it's crazy how that's become the most sought after thing for getting exposure you know it is yeah. everyone obviously like completely you know backhanded streaming as like the most detrimental thing to music to ever it happen, is. you know. It's, but it's like the sweatshop for music, yeah. Unfortunately, it's great, but these are the upsides, I suppose. Yeah, it has a great marketing uh, tool to it because it'll break down the cities you're most played in and yeah. where your fans are based or okay. who's listening to you. So that is interesting and 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 great in that regard. But yeah, I'm I'm a real traditional person with albums. Like I'm such an album fiend. Mm. So it does make me sad that once the album is there, it has a big. You know, maybe if you're lucky, a month, mm. big spectacle, and then it'll kind of, you know, I suppose minimize a little. But you know, I mean, it's just one of those things. I think once you've learned how to consume music in a correct manner, like I really think you should always think about how much time goes into an album. Especially like there's just certain albums that you can always go back to. Like at the minute, I'm obsessed with Licky Lee's recent album. Mm. I'm just dissecting that and looking at all the interviews, and that's what is so nice. It's like a consistent investigation you go through like how the hell she do this and I want to mm. hear about her opinion on that and then you go to her Instagram and it's like a real enjoyable thing mm. to find out all the nuances of the ideas so breaking down a body of work yeah I think so yeah. I mean yeah the single is great but the single has become such a like you have to have six singles out now and then yeah. maybe an album in a year or two mm. and it's it's fine but it's very like this concept then this concept then mm. I don't know many artists other than you know I suppose really top mainstream artists that are doing like a trio of singles that all tie into each other mm. and that's not necessarily a negative thing but it is interesting because they feel to the pressure do. to almost um i think it's just yeah it's it's to keep the numbers up yeah, and to keep as opposed your to some cohesive body it's like just get get some kind singles of out. yeah the single has almost become a little bit more important i think than the album which mm. is kind of mad you know mm. it's it's good and bad i just think the pressure to stay relevant has become more focused on spotify mm. when pressure to stay relevant should just be the fact that you're being consistent with how good your music is you know not like oh 100 hits here in a day and you know it's yeah it's great in theory but i don't know i think Mm. it must be very uh, debilitating at the the very top because it's not really like you care Mm. about the quality of your streaming but you know you still want people to understand your kind of message where does it leave you artistically like yeah i mean i i don't worry about the the artistic thing is definitely just going over every single element of it before you release it so yeah. I think that's important and you know it's it's good that things like say the lyric video have become more trendy I guess because yeah. you can space out now like here's the lyric video new video coming mm. in two weeks and you get a nice longevity there mm. I think that's the most enjoyable thing um, when you're trying to release something is how to kind of communicate further what, what you're saying in the song or not communicate because not every song has to be some sort of highfalutin concept as well mm, I sure. think there's a big 
problem, not problem, but a big need now to inject politics and everything, mm. especially artistic-wise. And I think it's actually now a better time to give people a break and let them yeah. just listen to a song and not have politics, you know? I, I want to ask my next question then. Oh, no, do, do. <laughs> hey, we just want to take a quick break from our conversation to thank this podcast sponsor, Terror Records. A Dublin institution, you can get Christmas sorted for the music fan in your life by swinging by their Dawson Street flagship store or their spot in Eason's on O'Connell Street. You can also hit up terrorrecords.ie to order online. We're excited to be linking up with them for this new podcast series, so thanks for listening. Now it's back to new voices. Now ask away, so. Yeah, because so, <laughs> you mentioned before uh, that Pillars was written from a place of admiration and is in uh, homage to faceless women who selflessly <laughs> uplift and really support others. Quote, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then to need to make it more succinct. Yeah, it's no, but panic. it's an amazing quote though, like, yeah. you know, and, and you know, what, what made you want to tread on those areas with your music? Yeah, well, I suppose that song is a little bit political, but it was more trying to narrow down, not necessarily the political nature of it rather the fact that when you're in uh, a little bit of a discourse politically or any sort of discourse that involves people having to fight for their rights that Mm -hmm. you take you can take a moment and actually think of like how amazing it is that we're all working at this thing together so that's why that song was really something I I didn't discard um, for a while because I felt one I'm very amongst that with the repeal uh, movement and, and designing a small little necklace as well for that. Mm-hmm. So it was inspired by working by, alongside so many women who were just really selflessly giving their time and their effort. And, you know, there was obviously no sort of, uh, you know, job essentially involved in it. It's genuinely being out in the streets and doing that. So mm-hmm. it was more trying to pinpoint that little almost negative space around things like going to a march together as friends and yeah. like how nice that is that you do that. And, yeah, we should all probably be in work or whatever it is, but we're here on Wednesday night at five, screaming together, trying to, you know, change them. So yeah. it's more taking a moment to think about, like, how nice that is that we're doing that, even though it's a horrendous situation. Mm. You know, it's nice that we can come together and speak about it, but obviously it's difficult to to push things ahead. So it was, yeah, it was really more about, like, how I just began to notice that women really are a pillars or a, you know the pillars essentially of society and when things like that happen yeah. not always and I you know there's obviously tons of men that were really heavily involved in the repeal especially in your magazine as well so it was just a note I suppose to myself on like how great it is that you can have these conversations with old and young mm. women that are really able to now open up and share and not be so shamed mm. and, and then you just meet so many people when you're at those marches and you get involved and mm. so it was really a song about that and trying to also um, take comfort in the fact that people are praying for the loss of this mm. campaign and that's why that line is like they prayed for a loss but all they got were your tears because we would be out essentially crying at all these marches mm. and they're there waiting for this hopefully to collapse but mm. You know, all they actually got in the end was us being emotionally drained, but because we, yeah. we did win in the end, kind yeah, of thing, yeah. so or we got what we wanted. Yeah, tiny win for them. Like. Yeah, so yeah. those lines, I think, are those ideas are good to. You know, I was yeah. able to step back any time I was feeling angry, be like, well, they're here on the sideline, and they always will be, but at least we can just mm. keep going, and it doesn't matter if they're there praying for us to lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's super interesting because, uh, like, uh, on first listen, it's. Uh, it's a, a song about the foundations of love in my head that's yeah. the thing but like it's it's really interesting to hear that concept 
yeah. behind it, you know. Yeah, it, it is a bit of that as well. Um, but I think I just, uh, I also didn't, I wanted to be careful with how you kind of turn your anger into action kind of thing. So, yeah. like, the first lines were a little bit about that, you know, with, with there's a lot of fear on the other side um, when it comes to things like repeal and any sort of women right movement and it's like what is the fear like say mm. it's like it won't change your fear if you say what you want mm. because the old writer famously known for saying whatever the hell they want it's mm. like you're not addressing the fear that comes behind whatever kind of slanted words you're trying to say mm. like any sort of you know insensitive words that were often said in the campaign about how it's victim blaming or you know mm. it's clearly a woman's fault if this thing happens so it was a little bit geared towards that um, and just trying to I suppose, make a comment on the fact that it's not actually addressing what you're afraid of. You're not really, you seem to be afraid of change, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a mix of that. But, um, you know, I was also like, maybe I shouldn't put something as political because everyone's exhausted politically. Yeah, yeah, but it's nuanced <laughs> as well. It's not, it's not yeah. like a, it's not like a out-and-out uh, call to action. No, you know? so it isn't, yeah. yeah. And I, I, there's definitely elements sometimes when writing that I have that and that's fine to do but I also mm-hmm. think I just thought it would be a nicer more comforting thing to kind of target like let's just celebrate us supporting people yeah. and, and you know for everyone just to support causes like that and I think mm. that's a nicer gentler message essentially so. for sure yeah um, I, I wanted to chat about Eighth Wonder as well I'm going to read out another uh, another uh, oh yeah quote. do <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, but <laughs> for it, a moment that one is about getting comfortable <laughs> feelings of uncertainty in order to build a life uh, that has intrinsic value and um, I want to know do you, do you find it difficult to be uh, raw and honest in your songwriting is that something yeah that I you find it really difficult and I actually yeah. really regretted calling it that because <laughs> I was like oh it's so lame and I was looking up loads of artists who had similar name uh, songs and yeah. Sugar Hill Gang as well I was like damn it you know but I actually the reason I even called it that was more so uh, it was actually inspired by this very interesting talk uh, by this guy, I think his name is Dan Savage, and this other really famous therapist, Esther Perel. Uh, she's one of my favorites, and Marissa Pierre, I always talk about her constantly. Um, and it was called, I think it was called The Future of Love in the Digital Age, that was called. And they were all just talking about what, what has changed and, and relationships, and Dan Savage was made a really good comment because he's I think he's non-monogamous and he's married and he's like the amount of monogamous people that come up to me saying you're doing love wrong and no one I never go up to a monogamous married yeah. people say you're doing love wrong and I just thought that was a really funny line yeah. and more so the thing of like he just explained like this works for me and this is how I get my you know balance right and I just thought something like people are trying to always decide what the eighth wonder of the world is and what looks good for them or what their life should look like so mm. something clicked then when I watched that being like you know people have to kind of make their own essential eighth wonder of the world yeah. if you like you know because there's constant articles this very interesting thing that oh no this is the eighth wonder of the world New Zealand and then there's somewhere yeah. in uh, I think it's Tibet and no one can actually fully decide yeah. so I just thought that was an interesting thing that you know researching it that it's kind of down to perception so mm. when it comes to how you're designing your life, your relationships, especially for our age group, it's like, oh, should I buy a house? Should I mm. get a ranch? Should I explore this? And it's too many questions for one. Mm. And you get bombarded with it all the time, especially from family members because they had a much more strategic life. Mm, and, linear, like... Yeah, and marriage and things like that were just mm. constantly, you know, at this point you'll have this and then this you'll have this. And now we have an abundance of choice and it's 
like stable ambiguity as well. That's another good line from like Mr. That. Perel. <laughs> That's what she calls Tinder and all of those apps. Is it's stable ambiguity enough that you're not alone, but enough that you're yeah. around. And I think that's a big problem for our generation is that we're kind of like, mm, well, I'm stable this year, but then the rent is horrendous and I could leave. It's all mm-hmm. these questions and you're like, I'll just stay at home and do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that song was a little bit about like so much uncertainty, but mm. I'll just try and do what feels best or I'll try and just chip away once a day at, at what I'm trying to become mm. essentially, you know, and it's like the whole thing of life is a process of becoming and all mm. that. But then you're like, well, I need something yeah. stable. So yeah. that track was produced by Adam O'Regan and Dylan Lynch from Little Green Cars. Yeah. Yeah. So how how is how is your relationship with the uh, Irish music scene, for want of a much yeah. better word? Well, they produced uh, Pillars also. Okay, amazing. And they produced Fall, uh, another song that's coming out in March. Um, so they're just like a different level of musicianship. Yeah. Like, that's what was so great to be around because they're like, they, this and like all these like yeah. things you just don't even think of, never mind here. And they just are able to perceive your song really well mm-hmm. and they also never ask what it's about which is great because I'm like yeah. I'm always like tightening up talking about it so yeah. you know getting used to it but it is something that I'm yeah yeah feel silly about sorry. I have to get used <laughs> to being cringy kind of so yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's amazing I've just been fortunate enough to be chums with them really um, that's it it's because like you've got like a, a history this isn't like you know this may be like your first like you said earlier, official releases, but you've been mm. you've been performing like you supported Hosier and uh, Wyvern Lingo years ago. Years ago, yeah, yeah. When when I was young, uh, younger even, I feel <laughs> not ninety, but you know. So you have like this uh, is like you're, you've been you've been embedded in in, in Irish music for a long time. A little, yeah, yeah. I was really lucky that um, uh, the situation to even just do a very minor gig with the likes of Wyvern Lingo and Hosier mm. uh, happened. So it was really nice um, to just even play covers before that and mm. some of Wyvern Lingo were in college with me and things like that so it's, it's kind of the circle around that mm-hmm. and uh, the first gig I think I did uh, I think it was a charity gig somewhere in town and it was just lucky that um, Hosier's dad actually was like oh I record sometimes um, if you ever want a studio to practice and I did one or two songs there with him um, and he was just the nicest person you could ever imagine mm. and at the time Hosey was still doing his EP and things like that. So I think he had an arena show, RT um, show on in, in a week or so. It was just, you know, a radio. Yeah. So I did some backing vocals for that. Cool. And that was great experience just to be in RT and seeing yeah. how amazing that all panned out. And, you know, that was pre kind of world domination. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was still just, that, like. yeah, I'm sure he, he sang Take Me to Church and I think Cherry Wine we did and something else. Mm. So I just did backing vocals for that little small arena show and they were yeah. like, well, best of luck now, really hope it does, does well. And <laughs> two months later it was crazy, yeah. you know? So it was yeah. great to just learn how important simple things like backing vocals and all that were. And that was just luck of the draw again. Like mm. that's always the the little beauty of Dublin everyone knows each other so mm. you get to learn and talk to people about how they're running their kind of mm. music lives essentially so yeah mm. that was kind of where I got the first chance to record and learn how to properly record and like the song I did was pretty appalling back then like it was fine they recorded it obviously amazingly um, but you know I just learned okay I really need to n- learn how to make more sounds essentially it was just piano and vocals at the time mm. so 
and timing and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a really great experience. Um, I would like to touch on the fashion aspect of things um, oh, yeah. and your design Village. background. <laughs> um, so, you mentioned your academic background, but yeah. it is in jewellery and NCID, but um, Forever Feral is another sort of creative outlet that you have besides your yeah. music. So, what, what's the. Could you give us a little background on Forever Feral, maybe? Yeah, Forever Feral is still going. It's, it's one of those things that. Um, Every time I try and go and record or do something uh, music-wise, unfortunately, forever I'll take a back seat. Yeah, uh, which is fine, but um, because and, you know it's a consistent enough um, project. Uh, it was started with myself and um, my friend Stephanie, who's an amazing graphic designer. So it was a lot of her designs and ideas about you know what what would be a brilliant kind of and fun, you know, kind of not too serious ethical company because mm-hmm. the real stringent kind of, you know, appeal to ethical companies can be a bit overbearing. So mm-hmm. that's why we we kind of wanted to make stuff that was a little humorous and and also just our, our demographic, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of geared towards um, humorous, uh, I suppose, interpretations of, of feminism and, and also trying to be informative. So we have, you know, like pussy earrings and all that kind of mm. thing and it's it's always an ongoing project and we always have ideas and sharing um like further down the line what we're going to do so we're probably going to revamp it next year um now that stephanie's back she was in new york for okay. two years um so we're thinking of kind of revamping the whole thing and making it a bit more <laughs> consistent but um yeah it's been really enjoyable and that's where the repeal necklace mm. collaboration came in so that was a great opportunity to design and and work amongst that so we, i think we sold it two or three times in indigo and cloth at the different marches or before the different marches mm. so it did yeah it did really well we were actually nice to integrate those two worlds yeah definitely and uh, we were so lucky to be able to give one to Chimamanda Adichie you know that famous uh, feminist uh, speaker she's absolutely amazing um, she's in she's quoted in one of Beyonce's songs Flawless where you know it's an amazing quote so she's a really really informative speaker so she got one of them which was the best we could possibly get it to yeah. so it was only a piece of plastic so um, things like that you know you're just like oh god mm. it's, you know such a small scale thing in Dublin but yeah you just never know yeah. so yeah that w- that did incorporate all the things the ethos was supposed to forever feral and it all crosses over especially with music and how you're going to then present yourself in you know music videos or just even what you're trying to write about it's kind of the same thing you know you're you're trying to make some sort of awareness or make a hole in, in some aspect of of life that you care about in that way so yeah it does cross over and I think in time we'll probably do further projects together that might even include a music video or you know the styling of things like that even for stage or, mm. you know. I was just about to ask that as well because it was in a GCN interview I think you mentioned uh, mm. MIA and Grace Jones when discussing fashion but obviously yeah. like they they're obviously like incredible musicians as well so yeah. do you, like how, how often do those worlds um overlap for you and like why like why do you think they're so historically and personally interlinked yeah i think um i think someone like grace jones just doesn't give a whatever you know and that is just swear yeah okay i wasn't sure and <laughs> <laughs> um, she really doesn't and it's the most appealing thing ever i just could listen to her all day and i've seen her twice and you know it's just her own thing and she just has this whole I'm like a wild girl, but I'm also, you know, able to write emotional music or, mm-hmm. you know, it's the perfect combination. So, because yeah. she's aware that, like, 
you know, it's, it's important, yeah, okay, to have a hard exterior if you're going to be out in the public eye, but it's mm. also important to have vulnerability because it's a different type of, mm. you know, strength, I guess, you mm. know. So he, she really encompasses that. Same thing at MIA is just a total genius with colour yeah. and, you know, some of the best music videos of all time, Bad Girls, things like that. Like, that's just so creative. So I think those things come out of always observing and, and documenting anything you think that is in any way inspirational and the more you do it the more I suppose menial life is you'll actually get more inspiration from that you know I think that was one of the best things I learned to go into our colleges mm-hmm. things like just take a section of say a fabric or a material that you like or you know melt it down or stretch it or whatever and just take a photo of it and mm-hmm. then you're like oh, okay I can start to see further patterns and that's just how it builds and I think Musically, you can do that as well, of just like even, you know, voice noting. I constantly voice memo, just like melodies, whatever, don't have words. Mm. I definitely think someone like MIA must do a lot of that or because so much of her culture is in her music as well. And Mm. then the colors, she can just kind of, if you listen to the track, you can almost imagine certain colors as well. Mm -hmm. So she seems to have a really deep connection with that. And I think some of the best artists definitely have that. Same with the likes of Solange as well. It's Mm. just, it's a whole ordeal like an exhibition like and you can't believe people put that much effort into it so mm. I think those artists are are just really aware of how important it is to to give your your work really um the time of day with every sort of visual aspect and sonic aspect so mm. that's why I'm always just like grateful and you just feel really satisfied after listening to something like that or watching something like that because you're like, oh, the effort involved mm. is amazing. <laughs> and and do you and in terms of the visual aspect, do you what do you have any plans now coming up for for video? A little, yeah. Um, I'm actually shooting a video on the eighth of December, okay, which sweet. is I'm looking forward to. It's for a new song that should be out probably end of January. Okay, yeah. So that's been a really enjoyable project, um, just because of I suppose looking at the visuals and how important that'll be and, and the clothing and costume and things mm-hmm. like that. So I've been working with two people alongside it and they're um, creating visuals for a projector and things like that. So we've bounced off each other a lot with what we're going to do. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to my first ever music video. So mm-hmm. it's a little scary, but... Amazing. I've, and yeah. Is it, and that's, that's the third track. So is it, is it going to be mm-hmm. from... Are you going to have like a cohesive project... Uh, to go like to go along with it like will all the three songs sort of interlink or will there be um, I don't know if they'll interlink as such because I mean they share similar themes I mm. think in, in what they're talking about but this one is sounding a little bit more kind of like a it's not as 80s or not it's much more kind of subtract kind of okay. production it's it's a little bit more modern sounding mm. um, I don't even know if you'd classify it as Neil Soul I mean yeah I guess you would but it's a little bit geared towards yeah, even something like Little Dragon Subtract. It's, oh, yeah. it's that kind okay. of... Um, so, yeah, that's also something I'm still learning. It's like, oh, I have mm. to have a certain level of cohesiveness. Mm. You know, this has been the fourth version of this song. Okay. <laughs> They've been doing it since last March, which is fine, and it's a bit yeah, of a brilliant learning experience. Like, yeah. But originally it was like this blues, like completely different song, and I just didn't cop that that was a bad thing to do. Yeah. Just because people don't know where to place you, mm. and it's not something I'm probably going to continue going in mm. a blues direction at all. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's just learning how to navigate stuff like that um, so yeah I'm really looking forward to it um, and it's great to obviously work with, with other friends on it so I think it, it's mostly going to be a, a material based um, kind of what's the word I suppose yeah um, concept of things like you know uh, stretch material and 
using even things like fans and things like that just to create movement in in clothing rather than myself Mm. (laughs) so yeah things like that like I I almost want to wanted to feel like one of those third or fourth year projects you do before you do your main project where you're messing around with like ink and bleach and Mm, all these kind of different yeah it's more that those visuals that you come out of you know it's like the notebook you begin at the start of the year as all this mad material that's usually the way a lot of your projects go so it's kind of going to be something like that but projected on very minimalist clothing like it'll be all kind of plain kind of cost clothing and stuff like that so hopefully it'll work out but yeah it's it's a material thing that i get interested in the most yeah i never wear say pattern or anything i don't know what it is i just never really into that i prefer when surfaces or material has its own kind of either it's like shiny or it's you know neoprene thick or anything like that Mm. and then you can do things like project on it or you know it's just kind of um that kind of satisfaction of when things are you know against like chaotic versus order you know simple mm. things like that but i think when you gear that towards clothing it'd be really interesting mm. the likes of licky lee does it all the time she always wears like shiny material on stage and then wet look hair and then has plain background and you mm. know it just really sticks out kind of in in the correct mm. way so it's amazing it's amazing to, to see the, the transfer over though and all the different uh, mediums that you're you've been exploring it's cool to see like the design elements and the music sort of mixing yeah. It's like it's it's exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward to it too. Hopefully it doesn't yeah. It's always a bit nerve wracking when you've never done something like that before, mm. but working with people who have shot music videos, hopefully you know, yeah, they yeah, no, yeah. and it's great because they're so creative as well. So you're just learning mm. their perception on what you're explaining and it's it's become a really nice project and we've given each other enough time to work on it now. Mm. It's been two months of discussing visuals just alone, so and it's n- never felt like work. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll ever. I hope you know. I don't know if it'll ever feel like that. And I, I don't know because I think once you work in menial jobs and you're constantly dreaming of how you're going to make something or record, you know, I don't think anything creative can really feel that emotional draining yeah. kind of element. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really enjoyable to do. Amazing. Nisha, yeah. thanks so much for joining me. No worries. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening. New Voices is brought to you by Tara Records. For more information on how to get Christmas sorted, hit up tararecords.ie or head into their Dawson Street or O'Connell Street stores. <laughs>